Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries, the podcast where the girls are small and the t-shirts are all large. <laughs> Book 61, Boy Trouble. Patty's life is falling apart. Can Elizabeth help? Hello, gladiators. Welcome back. Uh... Welcome to season seven of Sweet Valley Diaries, the long-awaited season seven. Has this been my longest hiatus? I'm not sure. It feels like it feels like maybe. Uh, so sorry about that, but also you know just just living my life like we all are, doing my best. Uh, but I'm very happy to be back, and also back uh, after a much shorter hiatus is Marissa Wasalik. Hi, Marissa. Hello. Happy to read again with you. Well, you know, this is unprecedented in the history of the show to have a back-to-back guest. Well, I mean, I think Lila's story was, it was the Superstar Special Edition, so I guess it's kind of like, you know, it's not really back-to-back. Yeah, totally. It's not back-to-back. Lila's story was an outlier. (laughs) It's a standalone, so it doesn't count. Now here we are, reading a book called Boy Trouble. Mm -hmm. Season 7 of the podcast is going to be exciting. It's going to have a lot of twists and turns, but we're starting off kind of like easy breezy with a classic tale somebody who's never been the star of her own book before has a problem and somehow elizabeth darned if she's not going to figure out a way to solve it indirectly sweet valley's problem solver yes yes <laughs> you're gonna have to fill me in a little bit because i i, I took quite a hiatus from reading um sweet valley high books and uh i missed some of I, I don't remember meeting Patty earlier, but they did reference how Patty and Dee Dee were really good friends. So I, when I say that Patty has she's never been the star of her own book before, she has come up in the background of a few stories very faintly. Like she's had a maybe she's spoken a word or two in a previous book, and in the books in the past that have been about Dee Dee Gordon. So those are like the Bill Chase books, because Bill Chase and Dee Dee Gordon are a couple. He's the surfer. Dee Dee Gordon is an artist. There have been a few of those in the past. Mm. Dee Dee Gordon is Patty Gilbert's best friend. And so, you know, that comes up. Like, Patty has participated in those books. And and Dee Dee is a, has her own, like, plot line in this book that doesn't actually have anything to do with Patty, but is a way to get Jessica involved. So that'll be fun. And I was really delightful. Yes, because Jessica has a thing for surfers and Bill Chase is quite the surfer from what I've read in Boy Trouble here. Not that he is the source of the boy trouble. Not at all. And he and I, I was actually struggling to think like, oh, yeah, was Bill Chase even in this one? But yeah, he makes a cameo basically for long enough for him and his friends to talk about what a great surfer he is, lest we forget. <laughs> uh, but that's that's where Patty Gilbert has come up before. I'm sure that there's been a certain amount of fanfare around Patty Gilbert. Um, and in some sense, we deserve to create that kind of fanfare around this book, too, because she is a black character. And that is so rare in these books. And I think that she was probably the first black character that was ever kind of mentioned or that her like blackness was referenced by these books. Uh, and we can talk about that more Maybe even an extra drama, we can talk about it more um, because it's like a whole separate conversation. But, you know, this book, I, I mean, I'm interested to hear what you have to say, but this book doesn't hide the fact of Patty's blackness at all. But it's also 
not really a factor in the story. It's not about being fine. black. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, and I maybe it was some weird inherent bias or something that I thought it would be when I picked it up when I was like, oh, this is the first time we see a novel about one of the black characters. Um, and to be honest, I hadn't really seen any black people in Sweet Valley before this. Um, so I just assumed right. it would be about being black. But no, it's a universal story that anyone can relate to. Um, it's about miscommunication, really. They shouldn't call it boy trouble. They should have called it, you know, Mercury retrograde or something like that. Because it's <laughs> sure. <laughs> like communication mix ups or also just like what happens when you're stubborn. You know, yeah. that was something that uh, at a certain point in this book, um, I have a note that I left, uh, uh, that I wrote down, and it was like my little bookmark for this page, where I wrote, this is on, on page 30, I wrote a note for myself, and it says, this is going to be torture, because it was just clear that these this was going to be a book about miscommunications, and a large source of the miscommunications was going to be assumptions that are being made about how other people feel, and those assumptions leading to inaction. So the problem is unsolvable because the characters that are playing are assuming what the other people are thinking and feeling rather than actually asking them about it. Like, there's no point in my bothering to talk to him or her about this because I already know what they're going to say. Yep. And you know what assumptions do. We do. We do. We find and, out And gladiators, if you don't know, you're like going to have to Google it. Uh, so <laughs> we're, we're speaking in vague terms here, but there's one other stage setting that I want to do. Since now it is, it's a new season and it's um, also a new decade. And what I mean is not like, not in our present timeline, but in the timeline of the Sweet Valley High books being published originally. We're now in the 1990s. It's been an 80s podcast and 80s nostalgia all this time. And now technically, I mean, we could argue about when did the 90s start, but technically these, this book was now first published in 1990. Which is why her um, Dee Dee painting large t-shirts is so relevant because, and I actually highlighted this, so many people are wearing large t-shirts these days. Um, and it was true. The 90s were all about the big, you know, <laughs> the big shirts with Tasmanian devil wearing a crisscross outfit on it or something like that. That was... Oh, yeah. It's funny that you should mention Looney Tunes because that's exactly what I think of when I think of wearing large t-shirts in the 90s. It's like my one big Looney Tunes t-shirt <laughs> that I had with like leggings. And I, I remember going to... It was probably Kmart, honestly, because there was a Kmart in our town. And I was going to go to, like, a sleepover. And my mom told me that I could, like, get a cool outfit. Like, I must have been really in my head about, like, seeming like I wasn't cool enough at this particular juncture. And, like, I was going to a party and I wanted – it was with, like, popular girls of elementary school and I wanted to seem cool. And the outfit that I ended up buying was, like, leggings and a big T-shirt. <laughs> like pastel kind of tie-dye leggings mm -hmm. and that was like this is what cool people wear i don't know if i was right or not but i, I think you were right <laughs> at the time yeah that sounds that sounds actually pretty cool because like in the 80s like 89 you would wear the giant shirt and then tie it off to the side right like or get one of those like mm -hmm. plastic rings that had like you could weave your shirt through and then you'd have that cool like hip large shirt 
look. But then in the 90s, those little rings came off. You you were proud to be wearing a gigantic shirt and like like all of my <laughs> shirts were basically pajama shirts. They were all extra large. And I remember going to the mall um, and going to TV land. TV land had all of the um, merchandise from the stuff you love from TV. And for me, it was always... I don't remember TV land. Oh, man, I would have loved TV land. Oh, yeah. It was all like, I love Lucy t-shirts. And like, um, for me, oh I lusted after all of the Warner Brothers t-shirts, like where Bugs Bunny was dressed up as something else. And... You know. It's just as well that I didn't know about that store because when you said TV land, I was thinking about how obsessed I was as a young kid with like, like oldies stuff and like old TV. And um, I got really into the show Welcome Back Cotter as a kid. And man, if I had found a TV land store, I would have been like the weird kid who was like. Give me all your Welcome Back Cotter merchandise. I now, don't know if they had if Welcome thinking, Back Cotter merchandise. Yeah. But I kind of wish that they if did. If anybody's now. listening to this thinking like, "Oh, I didn't know Marissa was that old." You're right. I wasn't. I, this was it was being like re-aired and I was like, "Fascinating. Fascinating. This this Gabe Kaplan." You know, back in the day when you didn't stream stuff, syndicated TV was where it was at. I had a thing for Sanford yeah. and Son. I like I don't know why. Mm. <laughs> like and Gilligan's Island like uh give me a break I remember I watched a lot of that Mm. (laughs) this is this is fun and those plastic rings I mean like now let's just have it let's just make this podcast in season seven can just be about nostalgia for the 90s (laughs) the weird shit (laughs) in the 80s and 90s I had a few of those little so plastic circles with like a bar through it and like you put the corner of your t-shirt through it to tighten it up. Mm-hmm. But you're right. That was like that, that was, was for the late 80s and maybe the early 90s mm-hmm. and then we put your were hair going, up in a side ponytail, like, you're good for the day. But mm-hmm, even in this mm-hmm. book, the styles have changed a little bit. They they do yeah. talk about that a little bit because Dee Dee is in a craft fair. And it's like a huge thing in Sweet Valley. And no wonder Jessica is so bored with Sweet Valley because like they're big things that people, you know, go to the craft thing at the mall. Right, right. So what we're talking about now, I mean, in regards to Dee Dee is so there is this B plot and it's that she we can talk about it now because we're talking about it already. Um, Dee Dee is painting T-shirts. An artist has got to find an outlet she decides that she's going to start painting t-shirts and I wish it was one of those things like when Jessica was making earrings which this book seems to not remember that that ever happened but Jessica was making earrings not that long ago and you really just wish that you could see what they look like because I'm having a really hard time picturing these hand-painted t-shirts that are so beautiful that everybody that sees them wants them but that's what's happening Dee Dee's gonna sell them at the art fair and that's her big project um, and Jessica's going to get involved, and yeah, we'll get into it. But for now, let's start at the beginning. Let's go back. Back to the start, yeah. This is a book about our good friend Patty and all the changes that are happening rapidly in her life. Yeah, so we had this teased, I mean, if you go way back to uh, the season finale of uh, for book 60 of, of, the, of season six, uh, there was this little tease about Patty and her boyfriend, Jim Hollis, who was coming home from college and they haven't seen each other in a while. So Patty, oh, it's worth noting that Patty is a senior 
And this is made, I didn't really remember that, but it's made clear to us by the fact that Elizabeth is starting a new column for Eyes and Ears. Um, there was a funny moment when somebody's like, wow, how are you going to find the time to write two columns? <laughs> and Elizabeth's like, I don't really know. It struck me as funny. It's just like, how much time do you spend writing up people's initials in sentences for eyes and ears, Elizabeth, honestly? Call yourself a journalist. Is there room in the Oracle for another hard-hitting uh, article by Elizabeth Wakefield? I, I mean... <laughs> Uh, no, but that's why they're going very soft, very softball <laughs> articles with these personal profiles that are just like write-ups of seniors. Let's tell you what's going on with our favorite seniors at Sweet Valley High. Very sweet. And she decides that she's going to write about Patty Gilbert, who is a dancer. Um, she likes all kinds of dance. She's thinking about going to Pacific College nearby because... That's where her boyfriend Jim goes. He's a freshman there. And uh, so not one of these high school, college relationships that's so unbelievable. Uh, I mean, I know these things always happen, but this one is, seems very normal, you know. And and it's understandable, right, that Jim has been at college and uh, they're not able to see each other as often as they'd like to. And at this particular point in time, when the book starts, Jim has been... Uh, unable to come home and visit for a month. So they were really missing each other. He had a big calculus exam, and he was really focusing on calculus when he wasn't thinking of yeah. her. Pat is getting a little bit, like, antsy and maybe even a little bit jealous because she'll call his dorm room, she'll call and call, and he won't answer. Boy, it's hard when there's no cell phones. You know, I was thinking <laughs> that, not, too. Yet another I, was, reminder. I was like, gosh, how does one do the long-distance relationship, even though Pacific College is only two hours north of Sweet Valley? Sweet Valley is very centrally located. Yeah, I thought about that, like how much easier it would be if she could just text him. Um, but yeah, her brain goes into yeah. a lot of different places because she can't get a hold of him. Um, and she... And, and she's really just thinking about what he could be doing off at college in his new life without her, um, just because he isn't answering the phone. And, and her expectations about their big weekend together get so, um, you know, she, she kind of gets lost in her own head and that all comes crashing down when surprise, surprise, she actually can't go through with any of those plans of going to have a nice little uh, beach uh, picnic or a fancy dinner or the sort of things that you look forward to as a Sweet Valley teen. And if, as if a month away from her boyfriend wasn't bad enough, she also has, the whole family has a kind of long distance relationship with the only other child, her older sister, Jana, who lives in San Francisco. She moved away for work and she hasn't been home for six months. So Jana suddenly calls up. She says, I'm coming home. I've got some news I want to tell you. And um, even though Patty is so frustrated about the conflict in plans, which also, uh, I get it, such torture, she, I mean, it's kind of just like a numbers thing, right? It's just like, well, Jim, you live two hours away, and I haven't seen you for a month. My sister lives, you know, seven hours away, and we haven't seen her for six months. You know, I'm gonna have to spend a little more time with Jana on this trip. Uh, and on top of all of this, 
but but not really in conflict with it. Elizabeth has approached Patty to say, after Jim heads home on Sunday, like, let's me, I'll interview you for your personal profile, which ends up being, I think, for the, this book, a very clever stroke, because rather than having to find some extremely convoluted series of phone calls or like missed messages that get Elizabeth involved in Patty's life, they set it up from the very beginning. Elizabeth is has an appointment to call Patty to visit with Patty, even though they're not really friends, before any of this starts, because she's going to write about her for the newspaper. It's really very clean. It's a very nice setup. I would do, as soon as I read, like, I'll come over on Sunday, I was like, how interesting. (laughs) Did you think, though, were you like, geez, Patty, like, you're going to have a busy life. I, like, felt, I felt anxiety for Patty's schedule. Yeah, actually, (laughs) I did, too. I did, too, because this is maybe me (laughs) in my midlife thinking, like, I shouldn't pile too much into my life in one weekend (laughs) but if I were 16 yeah for me I think it's also a thing that's happened during this whole like lockdown time of the past few years and even when it hasn't been like official lockdown like the kind of not doing as much yeah is that it's like you don't have the bandwidth to do as much anymore. Yeah. Like if I have something to do in the afternoon, if my friend is coming in from out of town that weekend, that's my weekend. I'm not going to fit in brunch and or right. like movies like this whole that weekend. Her sister came home, but she still found the time to go hang out at Dairy Burger and go to the movies. And she still found the time to go talk yeah. to Elizabeth. I'm actually quite proud of uh, of her multitasking skills, she didn't even have to drop any dance classes or anything like that. Was... <laughs> well, no, there was that one she didn't go to, but we're well, getting, we're getting we'll get ahead there, of ourselves we'll yet again. <laughs> Listeners have probably not read this book, so we're going to need to hold their hands through the plot here. And don't worry, it's also going to get a little bit steamy because when... <laughs> can we please, so... can I please read that, that part? I think I know what you're talking about. Um, So what's going to, you tell me when we get there. And then, yes, absolutely, you can read it. Okay. So. Thank you. We're going to, so Patty, (laughs) oh, you're so welcome. Patty is uh, on her way to gym. She's decided, like, she, she couldn't get a hold of him at school to tell him don't come. That was when she kept calling and calling and he's not answering. So she's just going to have to wait for him to come home. And she's going to go over to his house and tell him, look, I am I hope you can come back next weekend. We'll see each other for a little while. But, I, you know, I do have to see my sister this weekend. I can't just, like, spend every waking minute with you. Um, so before she breaks the news to him, things are going pretty well with old Jim and their uh, their reunion. Is that the part you wanted to read? I was, I was I'm thinking about plotline B. Um, okay okay very fair that's like the only boys moment of the whole book so but we're not there yet okay so uh, let's just go for it whatever at first here's how it's going as jim took her hand and drew her into the front hall and then back to the spacious family room patty decided she would wait a little longer before breaking the news Jana had a long drive from san francisco and wouldn't reach sweet valley for a while yet The house is quiet, Patty observed as she and Jim snuggled down together on the L-shaped sectional sofa. My parents are out, Jim explained. He grinned. It took some work, but I got rid of them. Anything to be alone with you. Patty laughed. Well, here we are. What do you want to do? Jim wiggled his eyebrows. 
Maybe we could kiss for a couple of hours, he suggested. Then we could catch our breath and kiss for a couple more. That's all you can think about after you haven't seen me for four weeks, Patty teased. And then it's... <laughs> I'm gonna keep reading. Go for it, it gets... <laughs> no, he said tenderly. Sure, I want to kiss you. But I also want to talk to you and look at you and hug you. So they have a sweet reunion. And then it like turns on a dime the moment she mentions yeah. Jana. And they get into a big fight. Oh, man. Where Jim accuses her of, like, what Patty says to him is, I'm sorry, Jim, I really am, but Jana's my big sister. I thought you'd understand. I do understand, he retorted, his eyes clouding over with angry disappointment. I understand that your sister is more important to you than I am. Which I was like, I read that sentence and I thought, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what a conclusion to jump to. Yeah. (laughs) And also, why wouldn't you want, like, why wouldn't her sister be more important than you are? Like, it's her friggin' sister. You're her, I mean, I I don't know. I don't know. Like, you can't find some kind of compromise where we all hang out together. I mean, obviously, as soon as she sees Jana, Jana's like, how's Jim? Where, like, you know, so... So yeah. there is this moment, like, when, when Patty's driving, they have this big fight, right? They they break up. They break yeah. up right there. He doesn't want to hear about how they're both important to her. And he's like, it looks like I drove two hours for nothing. What? Well, and, she, <laughs> and she essentially, yeah. I mean, you got to kiss her, but, like, and also, like, what about your parents? Like, they live there. <laughs> you yeah. don't know anybody else Shut in up, Sweet Valley? Jim, come on. <laughs> but also, she is obviously so upset and sorry about it and um she leaves and she can't believe this has happened and she has a moment where she's like you know what we just got really worked up you know we're both emotional and i'm just gonna turn around and i'm gonna talk to him it should be noted that she did accuse him right away right of being like of going off and having um, college fun without her and seeing other girls, which was something that was like in the back of her head, um, yeah. but she couldn't believe it came out. Um, right. And it, I mean, it, this is all exacerbated by like part of her argument that, you know, he's like, why didn't you call me before I came down to tell you? And she's like, I tried to call you 20 times and you were never in your room. What were you and doing? And how come you he know? is not calling her? That's what I'm thinking. You know, I get that there's an explanation at the apparently this kid doesn't have a a voicemail machine an answering machine (laughs) (laughs) or when the dorm like like phone rings like nobody's there to pick it up ever because it's probably like in the old um like old movies about college where there was like a phone in the hallway yeah you had to go every it was like the same phone for the whole hall yeah who yeah, knows? Well, no one but at any rate, and say like, "Hey, Jim, your girlfriend called." But at the same time, if he missed her so much, pick up the damn phone, Jim. Yeah, and so that's all interesting, and it does kind of make you wonder right off the bat, like these teenagers, like maybe they need a break, but a bigger break than they're gonna get. But also, yeah. Patty is already exhibiting this behavior that I described in that note to myself is like, this is going to be torture, which is she's thinking the right thoughts. Like, you know what? Let's just go make up. This was a misunderstanding. I didn't mean to say what I said, but she already cuts herself off. She's like, no, like I'm going to sleep on it. I'm not going to do 
the thing that would solve this. Instead, I'm going to do the thing that will make me not have to confront it right now. So when she gets home, she's all ready to like cry. She's like, at least when Jana gets home, I'll have my big sister to talk to you about this. But she walks in to Jana and Jana's new fiance, Ted. That was the big news. Didn't even wait for Patty to get home to spill the beans. But they, everybody was kind of like, who's this guy that's with you, Jana? <laughs> <laughs> you know, when she said... When she, when she called and her mother got off the phone with her and she said, I have big news, I'm like, okay, she's probably getting married. I felt it in my bones and I don't understand how, um, I mean, Patty thought it was like, hey, maybe she got a promotion or um, I don't know. But for me in my brain, I was like, of course she's getting married. They haven't talked to her in six months. It does also say at the back of the book, if you had the hard copy and not the ebook. As soon as Jana walks in the door, she announces that she's getting married in two weeks. So yeah, not just married, but married in two weeks because, oh, just drama on top of drama. Her new husband is in the military and he's about to be stationed in Germany from San Francisco where he was stationed. That's how they met. So they're going to get married and then Patty's going to move to Germany. So it's like, I mean, that's a in, lot. That's a lot to like yeah. surprise your family with not even and not just because like, hey, like, I'm hey, seeing this guy. <laughs> yeah. And not just surprise, uh, surprise. I'm getting married in two weeks and we have to plan a wedding now for in two weeks, but also, surprise i am leaving the country to reside in in you know just over two weeks so for patty she's like i lost my boyfriend and i lost my sister on the same night because even though she didn't literally like her sister isn't is still her sister she is like now she's going to be even further away from me even even more inaccessible and she feels like she can't tell anybody about what happened with jim because she doesn't want to rain on the parade and then that kind of turns itself into a sort of like bitter seed that she Mm -hmm. sort of like fosters like nobody cares what i think everybody only cares what Jana thinks which really like kind of grows and grows throughout the book into a, a bigger resentment until eventually it explodes and Patty and Jana have such a big fight that they stop talking to each other. And Patty, who has been asked to be Jana's uh, maid of honor, tells Jana that she doesn't want to be in, a, in her wedding. Like she's not even going to go to her sister's wedding. Now, I just jumped basically all the way to the end of the book, but I feel like that's like essentially that particular relationship, the way that it gets what happens when Patty doesn't explain how she feels to Jana is that eventually by the time Patty finally works up the nerve to say that there's a problem Jana is like in bridezilla mode and so Patty says there's something you know I have a problem I want to talk to you with and Jana's like not another problem I can't take a single more problem you know a single a single additional problem wedding yes so honestly Patty's outburst in response to that, I think, was very um, understandable because, like, everything has been wedding, wedding, wedding since the moment she got in. And, you know, once again, nobody's listening to anybody else. And and Patty's got all of these things going on in her head. Like, is Jim actually seeing another woman? Um, Because she did see Jim at the movies. um, Right. With another woman. 
Yeah. So after the breakup, because Patty can't talk to her sister about it, she talks to Dee Dee about it. And Dee Dee invites her out on what is supposedly not a double date, but like it's Dee Dee and Bill and this other boy, Craig. And, you know, Patty says no at first, but eventually she's like, I don't want to be around all this wedding planning and like having to pretend to be cheerful when I'm in such a bad mood all day. So we'll go to the movie. And it ends up being a romantic movie, which is a disappointment. (laughs) And also then, worst of all, she sees... She sees Jim there with a girl. A girl that he seems to be really familiar with. Like, she's whispering in his ear. Like, Patty is just like, this is not some new person that he's on a first date with. Like, this is somebody he has some kind of long-term, like, Mm -hmm. intimacy with. And it just so happens that at that moment that she sees uh, Jim with the other woman, Craig had made Craig the other guy that was in the foursome with her, Dee Dee and and Bill. Um, He's, you know, trying to comfort her for crying during the movie with his arm around her. So, um, so Jim sees that and more misunderstandings like three's company style. Patty's having like an outsized reaction to the romantic plot because of what's going on with her own heartbreak. So, yeah. Um, she runs out of the theater before, like, she's hoping Jim won't see her. But turns out Jim did see her because Jim calls her at that night. And he starts to say, that girl with me, she was, you know, and Patty just cuts him off and is like, they have another like, big I fight. I don't need to know. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know so now, what's up. I don't need to say anything else. So now they're really, like, never, ever getting back together, you know. So... <laughs> So this, all of this is, is building and building this, this um, negative feeling. And Elizabeth Wakefield does get involved because she calls Patty's house on Sunday night or, or, you know, sometime during the weekend, she calls to say, hey, we've got this interview. Is that still work for you? And oh, yeah, she calls Patty Saturday and... night. Yeah. Because yeah. they have brunch the next day. Right. Yeah, I always make note about Sweet Valley brunch. <laughs> I thought just like having the word brunch appear in this book was like, oh, we had brunch in 1990. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> I couldn't remember. <laughs> um, so of course, you know, Patty goes and talks to Elizabeth and like divulges her problem, and Elizabeth quite sanely, from an outsider perspective, says, when. Patty tells her, Jim knew this girl, I could tell. The way they were talking to each other, it was pretty clear that they weren't exactly strangers. Maybe not, but she could just be a good friend. Elizabeth paused to take a bite of her bagel. You know, the same thing once happened with Todd and me. He saw me in a restaurant with another guy, Nicholas Morrow. Nicholas and I are very close friends, and that's it. Still, it looked suspicious to Todd, and he assumed the worst. And I had to pause because, like, that is some revisionist history, Elizabeth, because you were on a date with Nicholas Morrow. Like, you might not have intended for it to go anywhere, but you sure did tell Nicholas Morrow that, hey, sure, I will go on a date with you. Uh, (laughs) Like, it's not good. But Patty doesn't know any of that. And so Patty drives over to Jim's house straight, straight from Elizabeth. She's so charged up with like, yeah, Elizabeth Wakefield was right. Energy, the the force that drives Sweet Valley. And Did Elizabeth uh, just pull a Jessica 
in that where she's with the revisionist history stuff where she was just like this is <laughs> yeah i'm not to I'm blame sure elizabeth in this believes that that's the story but um <laughs> patty goes straight over to jim's and she sees jim and this girl like throwing a frisbee or something and they're laughing together and she's like oh shit this is even worse than i thought jim's not even sad like he's like so he's clearly like so comfortable with this girl that he knows so well dang she like gives up she's upset all over again she goes home and like she's still instead of being able to tell anybody how she feels or just sort of like cry in bed or whatever which is all she wants to do lately she's got this other errand that she's gonna go do with Jana. Yeah. So they're playing. She sees Jim playing frisbee, and it's too much for her. And again, she comes home, and Jen is at the kitchen table, and she's like, "I want to tell you everything that's like wrong with my life right now, and it's mostly because of this boy." And Jen is like, "Let's go to the mall. I want to put <laughs> yeah. you in an ugly blue dress because it's my wedding and whatever." <laughs> and they they drive into the mall because like again, like Jenna can't speak her. I'm sorry, not Jenna. Patty. Patty can't speak her needs, and especially to like her closest people. She then decides to swallow it and be like, "Okay, sister's wedding. Nothing's more important than this." Like another sixteen candles moment, and they get into the car with Ted and they drive off to the mall so that um, Patty can try on this beautiful quote. I'm using air quotes. <laughs> beautiful uh, maid of honor dress. It's cornflower blue with tiny white flowers on it, and it has a scooped neckline with little puff sleeves. Jana thinks that she's going to look like a princess in it. I disagree, but whatever. It was the 90s. It sounds like a flower girl dress, not a maid of honor dress for an 18-year-old. <laughs> but yeah, she tries to tell Jana one more time that she's having trouble with her boyfriend, and she yeah. even says, she's like, We got Jana into an argument. Like, yeah, Jenna says, yeah. what's wrong? You're quiet. And she's like, well, I got into an argument with my boyfriend. And she's like, oh, don't worry. I have trouble with my with my fiance all the time. And they, she gives him a kiss and they're like, it'll be fine. So, right. You she know. doesn't ask any more questions. She basically is just like, you don't need to worry. So, so she does kind of exhibit this general feeling of like, I don't want to hear about your problems. I mean, she's not trying to do that, but and the it's, it's coming from both sides. I'm 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 mad at Jenna at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So by the time this is built for so long, um, she's so upset. She's taught Patty talks to Didi about it. And Didi also it's like more people kind of giving her sort of advice that is backfiring in some way. If the backfiring is, you know, it's just like things aren't playing out exactly the way people are saying. So Didi says, if you go home, just talk to your sister. You know, she's your sister. You love her, like, she'll understand, right? You guys have this relationship. And Patty has this, net once again, she's got this newfound energy around how she's going to come out and just explain everything to her sister and be comforted by her. And uh, she's silly for harboring these resentments to Jana. Um, she even thinks, uh, it'll be fun, Patty anticipated, gazing out the bus window at the azure Southern California sky. We'll make chocolate chip cookies and eat half the batter like we used to do in the old days when Jana was home on vacation from college. And we'll talk. It would be such a relief to open up about Jim. Maybe it was too late for advice, but Patty at least needed to know her sister cared what happened to her. So that's where Patty's at. I need to know that my sister cares what happens to me. So when Patty actually 
walks in. This is the conversation we were alluding to earlier. Um, Janice says, what's up? And Patty says, something's been on my mind. You see, I have this problem with... Problem? Jana yelled just as the tea kettle started to shriek. Not another one! Patty stared at her sister, swallowing her own words in surprise. There just can't be any more problems, Jana ranted, removing the kettle from the heat and slamming it down again with a bang. She ran a hand through her tousled black curls. I called the caterers today, thinking all they needed to know about was the menu, and they told me they have to know how many people to serve by the day after tomorrow. And then the florist called. They can't get the Gerber daisies I wanted for centerpieces at the reception. Jana ticked off the catastrophes on her fingers, one by one. And would it have occurred to you, Patty, that you'd have to hire an organist to play during the ceremony? It sure didn't occur to me. I thought it came with the church. She threw up her hands. So don't hit me with another problem. So Patty, it says, in an instant, all of Patty's warmth disappeared and a cold wave of anger and disappointment washed over her. And she just yells. And again, Patty doing this thing where she's saying a bit more than she really needs to with her in her anger. So instead of just saying... Jana, it's everything's not about you. Can you just listen to me for one second? Which would still be a bit of a, you know, of a barbed way of responding, but, you know, accurate. What she actually says is, I don't want to hear about the florists and the caterers and the dumb organist. I'm sick and tired of hearing about this wedding. Don't you think anyone's entitled to have a problem besides you? The wedding's all you care about. I might as well not exist anymore. She makes it seem like, I thought that Patty's, anger even though what she's saying is is kind of true she makes it seem like she's mad about the wedding when what she's mad about is uh jana being self-centered and not um making room to listen to her feelings it's not like she's jealous of jana or ted no it but she is trying to be as clear as possible about her feelings um, but never just get just never gets the chance to. And I'm really starting to feel really bad for Patty, who just never gets the chance to express herself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then, like, the way that this storyline is heading towards this resolution, the mo- <laughs> her mom comes in and basically gives her this big talk that's like, I understand that you and your sister are equally to blame in this fight, but you need to be the bigger person. <laughs> and I yeah. really was kind of like, why can't Jana be the bigger person? Like, why Jan- is that on Patty? Growing up, it was always like the older, the older sibling had the responsibility to be the bigger person because you were the older sibling, you know? Yeah. I mean, at the same time, like, I, I guess I have given advice much like Mrs. Gilbert gives Patty, which is like, listen, it'll just be easier. Like somebody has to cave first. It'll be easier if you approach her, her first, like, then this will be solved or whatever. Like, I've definitely given advice like that before. Like, look, you know, if what you want is like you don't want this to be a permanent rift between you and this person, then you should just, you know, swallow your pride and at least like offer an olive branch. It's like the nice thing to do. But I get, you know, it didn't escape me that like, there's no real reason why Patty should, should have to do that. And she says she's not, she's really stubborn about it. And she doesn't. (laughs) The way that it ends up getting solved. (laughs) I mean, go ahead. Well, I mean, I I remember I made a note that like she when she talked 
to her mom, she actually like stepped outside of herself in a very mature way and was like, mom, I know that this is more like hardest on you, but it's, it's not like all my fault. Um, Jan is as much to blame as I am. And then she says silently, more to blame. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, and they don't talk to each other. You know, Patty's having a lot of communicate, like so many themes come up is that Patty doesn't know how to express her feelings. She doesn't know how to communicate with others. Oh, well, she writes that letter. Yeah, she does, right? but she doesn't send it. She even write, yeah, she writes this whole letter. Well, but first of all, let's talk about how Jessica starts the chain of events that uh, brings Patty to write this letter. Because if not yes. for okay. Jessica going to this uh, craft fair that Dee Dee was, you know, all psyched about. Um, yes. You're making me realize what a beautiful book this is. The stories are all so richly interconnected. <laughs> Honestly, I wanted a little bit more Jessica, as per usual. I feel like I love well, Jessica. I love that she's always trying new things for boys. <laughs> Jessica is a delight to, in this book in terms of just like her whole every moment that she's on the page is a lot of fun to read. Uh, but let's go ahead and take a little sojourn into the B plot back into the B plot. Then we've got Jessica just <laughs> just like for no real reason, totally bored of the beach. She doesn't want to go to the beach again. She's sick of every boy in Sweet Valley. Um, I mean, this is she's usual Jessica. Honestly, she's she's like everything bores me. So I don't want to do anything. Yeah, usually she makes it to the beach before she starts complaining about this, but she remembers that Dee Dee mentioned this craft fair, and she decides to go solo and, like, go boy hunting at the craft fair. Honestly, I love going boy hunting at the craft fair. I think she had the right idea. But, you know, none of them are to her liking. So So she goes to the craft fair, and she has this great moment where she says... Boy, is this ever the wrong place to meet a guy? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So I thought that was pretty hilarious. Um, But so she's walking around. She's about ready to leave. And Dee Dee catches her. Dee Dee has been doing really well selling shirts. She hasn't been able to. Somebody was going to help her that had to call out sick. So Dee Dee asked Jessica to watch the booth for a few minutes so that she can go grab some lunch. And I was so nervous. Like, what what havoc is Jessica going to wreak here? Luckily, it wasn't too bad. But this is um, a great uh, moment in the podcast to talk about boys. Please let me read, please. <laughs> please go right ahead. Okay. Well, a few... So when she says, boy, is this ever the wrong place to meet a guy? She points out that the male artisans all seem to be either as old as her grandfather or else skinny, earnest, earthy types in flip-flops and raggedy clothes. And I thought of all of the skinny, earthy, earnest types that I actually wanted to date in my youth. Um, (laughs) Yeah, if that's what you're looking for, maybe you can find them at the craft fair. I mean, I did cruise the craft fair back in the day. But Jessica, as she is uh, um, taking over the booth for Dee Dee for just a minute so that Dee Dee can pee or whatever. Um, Go get some she, food. 
go get some food. Go get lunch. (laughs) (laughs) She reminisces about how she had been nuts to think that she would meet any appealing guys at the craft fair. Then Jessica caught her breath. Approaching her booth at the very instant was one of the most gorgeous men she had ever seen. He had longish black hair and sexy brown eyes. He was wearing faded jeans and a loose linen jacket with the sleeves rolled up. Unfortunately, it looked as if he was going to pass by without ever investigating Dee Dee's display. Over here, Jessica pleaded silently, throwing him an inviting smile. The smile was returned, and Jessica's heart nearly stopped. Forget gorgeous. He had the kind of face you saw once in a lifetime, Jessica thought, rugged and romantic. He was in his late 20s, Jessica guessed. He's probably an Italian movie director or a famous artist. Either way, she was convinced he was the man she'd been waiting for. So everything about this screams statutory, <laughs> but Jessica's into it. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's she's excited that this guy who's 10 years older than her is going to come to her booth, and he does. And then he actually is so impressed with the t-shirts that he... says that he runs this place called the Blue Parrot, which sounds delightful. It's like a gift shop, like an artisan gift shop. And he's going to, he wants to sell some of her shirts, but Jessica is sure that all of this is just a long con on his part. Like really what he wants is her phone number. So when he asks like, oh, where is a number where I can reach you to, you know, talk about this further? Um, she writes down her number for him and she's like, haha, I see. This is really all about getting my number. Um, and of then, <laughs> like, so she doesn't mention any of this to Dee Dee. <laughs> then um, at home later, <laughs> like, or I don't know, the next day or something like that, she's helping uh, or doing a pretty poor job of, of helping to make dinner as usual. And, um, the phone rings. Elizabeth answered the call. She held the receiver out toward her twin. Jess, it's for you. A guy, she added in a whisper. Jessica stifled a yawn. Maybe it's time we get an unlisted number, Jessica said, to discourage the undesirables. <laughs> so she's just full of of uh, quips, this Jessica. But of course, it's Vincent. Vincent wants to... Uh, see some Vincent, samples. The, the crafty man with the long yeah. hair. Dee Dee has sold I'm all sure I have met in a crystal store in LA at some point. Like. <laughs> yeah. So he wants her shirts. And Jessica, rather than, I thought, like, oh, Jessica's going to ask Dee Dee if she can buy some shirts from her. But of course not. Instead, she asks Dee Dee, hey, what kind of paint do you use for those shirts? I was thinking of trying out that craft myself. And then she paints some really ugly shirts that she takes to this meeting with the guy and his partner who's this woman and it's just so it's just so amazing it's they really they read her wacky to that's what they do sort of scene i do appreciate that jessica believes she can do anything like her first <laughs> try is the best try and they <laughs> this is constant theme with jessica i found like yeah but uh yeah she totally forgot that uh vince had offered to purchase her um to look at her shirts her art with his business partner um who totally calls her out when they do meet um about how crappy 
her shirts yeah. <laughs> ended up being. Yeah. When the shirts come out, um, she says, these are the t-shirts you've been raving about? <laughs> to, to Vincent. And he's just like, no, no. But Jessica um, is Jessica like... Jessica has say, a good comeback. Yeah. Yeah, she says she's like trying as an artist. She's tr- you know trying to push her boundaries into new arenas. To which uh, and Cassie it, like starts kind of eating it up, and it's it seemed like sort of like she had her like very like tongue in cheek. She was just kind of enjoying the performance. The book tells us, but um, Vincent says, "Wait a minute, an experiment is one thing, but these are he paused, searching for the right word, not art." <laughs> I've never been so insulted, Jessica huffed. I'm sure the last thing Vincent meant to do was insult you, Jessica, Cassie said soothingly. You know, I think I like your new experimental technique. Why don't you tell us more about it? Whom do you study art with? What materials do you use and why? And I just read this as Cassie just completely like calling Jessica's bluff, like knowing straight, like knowing that she's full of shit. And Jessica does finally cave and say, like, yeah, I didn't make those shirts. I was covering for a friend. And luckily, <laughs> Vincent, like, calls Dee Dee, like, right in front of Jessica. Right but, like, doesn't, there. Yeah. Does, that's not the lucky part. The lucky part is he doesn't blow her cover and just makes it seem like some kind of missed connection. You know, what I like about this scene, though, is throughout all of it, even though she knows walking into this meeting that her her cover is going to be blown like, you know, her her little scheme is coming to a head here. Um, I appreciate that, like, she goes full force with it and it, and it kind of makes a sort of a statement about the subjectivity of the art world. <laughs> like, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she still thinks that she has some kind of chance with Vince if she can play it out right. Uh, yeah, this so whole time. Until he finally, like, once he calls her out and he, like, makes her wait and he's, like, frustrated with her for lying to him, then he's a jerk in her eyes. Like, I can't believe what a creep that guy was, you know? It's just like, no, Jessica. <laughs> what happened was you got caught uh, being you. <laughs> but he's, and like, so now... actually the opposite of a creep for not lusting after a 16-year-old you. girl. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Girls of Sweet Valley, get this through your heads. <laughs> you are 16. All right. So this is the reason we got into the B story now. And we wanted to, other than obviously we had to tell you, Gladiators, about this amazing B story, is that Jessica eventually mentions in passing that she had seen a cousin of Jim's in town at the craft fair. Like, she was selling earrings or something at the craft fair. Oh, she was wearing the earrings. Elizabeth was like, hey, where are my sunglasses? And she's like, "Um, I don't know where your sunglasses are, but if you want to borrow my new earrings, you can. Um, Jim's, Jim Hollis's uh, cousin made them, I bought them at the craft fair. Yeah. So Elizabeth, you know, puts the connects the dots like, oh, Jim's cousin was in town for the craft fair. That's probably who Jim was with. She goes over to the Gilbert house and Jana answers the door and Elizabeth assumes that Jana knows about the breakup. And she's like, I've got something important to tell Patty about Jim. I'm sure, you know, they split up and Jana's like, 
Uh-uh, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. And I thought <laughs> Jana at this moment would be like, oh, I've, what a fool I've been. But no, she's still pissed. Like, they are not talking to each other. They aren't even, we didn't even explain, but they're not even, like, staying in the same room as each other. Like, that's why Mrs. Gilbert is, like, coming up to Patty's room to talk to her, because... She's bringing her a glass of juice because she knows that she's waiting out till Jana leaves the kitchen to come down for breakfast. So, um, but because of all this, uh, Patty finds out that Jim, that the girl was just Jim's cousin. And, you know, she's been calling Jim again all week trying to, like, get him to talk to her. And again, nothing. So she started every time she calls and calls and calls and there's no answer. She's more like he is lost to me. Like he's seeing other people. Like he's with this girl, whatever, you know. He um, must not be answering the phone because he yeah. must know that it's me calling. And yeah. Right. And when, even after he knows about, she knows about the cousin, she's still like, I've got to give up on Jim. So she writes this letter to him when she can't get him on the phone. And it says, Dear Jim, I'm probably the last person you want to hear from after the things I said last time we talked. Uh, she said, I never want to talk to you again. <laughs> uh, but I didn't mean any of it. It was all an awful mix-up. I found out today that the girl at the movies was your cousin. I know I should have trusted you, and I should have given you a chance to explain. I regret it now so much, because I miss you like crazy. I never wanted to argue with you in the first place. I just wanted to spend some time with my sister, and even that's turned into a disaster. Jana's getting married, and I was supposed to be her maid of honor, but then she and I had a big fight, and now we're not speaking to each other. It seems like everything in my life has gone wrong lately. I'm confused about so many things, but there's one thing I'm sure of. I care about you more than anyone in the world. Do you still love me? Can we try again? It's such a pitiful letter, and you read it, and you're like, yes, thank you, Patty, finally, you're going to solve your own problem. And the next paragraph says, well, the next paragraph says that the words came from the heart, but the one after that says, but as she read the letter a second time, she started to feel less certain. Jim probably didn't want to receive a letter from her. He obviously didn't want to talk to her again, or he would have tried to contact her at least once. Perhaps he wasn't involved with another girl, but it was still clear he didn't want to have anything to do with Patty anymore. So she doesn't mail the letter. <laughs> it's like, Patty, you're killing me over here. Patty, you got to get out of your own way, girl. <laughs> yeah. Finally, um, Patty, and I, I don't remember exactly what happens to get them to this point, but Patty and um, her sister make up. Um, Patty. Oh, it's it's because Jana uh, can't get a taxi to take her to the mall. Patty's using the car to go to dance class, but Patty ends up forgetting her tights and coming back home to pick them up before. So Jana is desperate to ask Patty. Like, she's so desperate that she's willing to ask Patty to give her a ride to the mall because she has to go to her, like, last bridal fitting. And that's what they end up making up because Patty sees her in her dress and her heart is melted and like, Let, let's read. She starts crying. Jana and... in her in her dress. Okay. Jana begs Patty to take her to the mall. Um, she's like, you can drop me off on the way to class. Um, Patty had stopped at the house just to get some fresh tights, but she's like, okay, I will I will make time to drive you, even though I'm already running late. Um, again. Patty overestimating her own schedule, but she goes, she brings her sister <laughs> to the mall. 
And then her sister's That's like, That's the real uh, secret me. message of this book is like, don't overbook yourself, you know? <laughs> You're going to feel overwhelmed. <laughs> so, um, she says that so- she's literally recording her podcast on a break from her other <laughs> podcast job. <laughs> More on that later, gladiators. Anyway, Marissa, please do continue. <laughs> so Patty um, gets convinced by Jana to come upstairs into the or come into the mall um, and watch her put on her dress. And and Patty's like, oh, okay, fine. I'm gonna. I might as well miss my dance class anyway. And um, but the whole time she's thinking, you know, why would I bother to bring Jana here anyway? Or why did I agree to come in? For all I care, she can get married in a burlap sack. So she's <laughs> sitting and waiting for Jana to come out from her final, um, from her final fitting. And um, Patty looked up from the bridal magazine she had been flipping through just as Jana emerged from the changing room in her wedding dress. Patty gasped. Jana turned slowly around so her sister could see the dress from all sides. What do you think, Patty? She asked, her expression shy and hopeful. Oh, Jana, Patty breathed. It's absolutely beautiful. You look just like a picture from this magazine. The ivory dress made Jana's brown skin glow. Tiny bead-embroidered flowers decorated the bodice while the full-length skirt fell in soft, flowing tears. As Jana twirled around, her sheer lace-edged veil fluttered with the movement. All of a sudden, Patty's eyes filled with tears. The sight of Jenna in her wedding dress brought back so many fond memories. Jenna posing in her first prom dress while Patty gazed on admiringly. Jenna looking distinguished in her cap and gown. Everything Jenna had meant to her over the years came rushing back and Patty felt her anger dissolving. Why on earth were we in this ridiculous feud, she wondered. So that's the magic of a great dress. <laughs> yeah, it can heal. It can unite <laughs> and it can heal wounds. <laughs> and then they're then they're all friends again and it's great. And then Jana finds the letter accidentally that Patty wrote to Jim and never sent. She already knew that the letter existed and she already told Patty to send it. And so she knows that Patty has not taken her advice. She decides that she's going to send it. She feels a little bit bad about it, but she's like, eh. And apparently, she so she calls the Hollis's house, Jim's parents' house, and finds out that Jim is on this school trip. What is it? What kind of trip is it? It's he's, like a, He's taking a geology course. A uh, geology trip. Yeah, so it's like for a whole week. And he's in the mountains they're, they're, for two yeah. weeks. These California oh schools, goodness. I tell you. And he, I, I thought it was so really kind of convoluted but fun that Jana finds out from Jim's mom that if it's urgent, she can mail it to, like, the P.O. box near the mountain class, like, outdoor classroom or whatever. And it can somehow so I guess, get to this rural place within the four days. Knows, <laughs> so fast because what ends up happening i mean just to like get there because it's great is that patty and Jana have made up patty is ready to like you know walk down the aisle in front of Jana or whatever and what she sees in front of her is not just ted smiling up from the front uh of the church but also standing in the aisle somewhat conspicuously in a beautiful suit is jim 
So what's happened is um, a few nights earlier at the like re- or the night earlier, I don't know, at the rehearsal dinner, mm-hmm. Ted like left early and Patty was suspicious of Ted. She was like, and she expressed this to Jana and Jana was like, oh, I'm not worried. We're not married yet. And Patty's like, "Uh oh, like, I don't even know this Ted guy. So planning a little bit of like worry in the reader's mind, except not really. I don't know. (laughs) But then it turns out that Ted has like driven up to like Jana included her own letter along with the letter from Patty that she sent to Jim. Jim called Patty and or Jim and Jana arranged a whole thing where Jim was going to come to the wedding, but he had no way to get to Sweet Valley. So Ted left the rehearsal dinner for, for his own wedding early to go pick Jim up and bring him so he could be there for the wedding. That's, wow. That's exactly what happened. Surpri- and nobody, in, as Elizabeth recalls later in, the, in, in later pages, nobody told Patty and she was completely surprised. And Elizabeth is just enamored with the romanticism of it all. Yeah, very romantic. And I'm sure Patty and Jim will be happily ever after, right? Because they've shown that they have a mature relationship. We know that this is Jim is Patty's first boyfriend. Also, the book does tell us that. So, yeah, great. Cool. First time she's really been in love. And she's not about to just mm-hmm. like give that up because, you know. She she had big plans of going to college with her boyfriend, and, and it looks like it's all going to be smooth sailing from here. Yeah. And meanwhile, Jessica uh, did not really get in trouble for her scheme, although people are raising some eyebrows about what happened, knowing that Jessica had strangely asked about the supplies for the T-shirts. But it's all swept under the rug. Uh, one of my favorite lines in this whole book came at the very end. Jessica's feeling fed up with the boys of Sweet Valley, even more so now, boys and men. Um, and she's complaining to Steve, who's home, and Todd uh, at the Wakefields. Jessica says, Patty's a wimp to let Jim get her back so easily. Odds are he's not so wonderful. In my opinion, there's not a decent boy or man within a thousand miles of Sweet Valley. Sorry, Todd and Steve, she added as an afterthought. Why so down on the male population, Jess? Stephen asked, his brown eyes twinkling with good humor. Just a general observation, Jessica answered airily, rolling over on her rainbow-striped beach towel. (laughs) You gotta love these books, guys. I've missed you all. I've been away. You know, (laughs) what a job it is to be Jessica Wakefield's older brother. Yeah. Just a general observation. <laughs> uh, so w- would you like to tease book 62 for us? Oh, I would love to. Um, so it's, you know, Jessica's thinking about about Vincent and how, you know, the whole embarrassing uh, scene, the whole scenario uh, with, you know, what happened with this hot Italian looking dude but she was over her disappointment about Vincent by now. But one thing was more clear to her than ever. Her love life needed revving up. And how? One way or another, it's time to take radical action, Jessica told herself. Mr. Wright is out there somewhere, and I'm going to find him if it's the last thing I do. What kind of scheme does Jessica have planned to meet the boy of her dreams? Find out in Sweet Valley High number 62. Who's who? I can't wait. I love a good Jessica novel. It's going to be novel. such a good one. 
It's going to be such a good one. I'm really excited for it. Uh, Before we wrap up this episode and adjourn into our brief uh, extra drama discussion, let's talk about the cover of this book. Uh, Boy, this the cover of this book. uh, It doesn't say much. I don't think it doesn't say much. It it definitely in 2022 (laughs) with the amount of conversation that we have about you know, like blackness and whiteness and Karens and White relationships. If you just, yeah, if you just looked at this cover by itself, I think it would be really easy to come up with a story about what's happening. And um, okay, yeah. if I'm going to be honest, this is why at the beginning of our conversation, I thought um, this book would be about being black in some way. Um, or race relations because we have Elizabeth with beautifully contoured cheeks looking over at Patty um, who just looks so angry. Um, Yeah. And, and I really thought that there might be some kind of plot about like the differences between black people and white people. Um, yeah, and like, what does it mean going into the subtitle? What does it mean that Patty's life is falling apart? Why is Elizabeth the person who's going to help her? Like, that's yes. where your brain goes. Yes, because we're so primed. I mean, it's not just a part. Some of it is twenty twenty two. A lot of it, I think, is just. It's not just my expectations of the series at this point. It's my understanding of like what the time when these books were written was like. Yeah, I would say, say in the nineties, I probably would not have that when you say so, this no. is 2022 um i yeah i totally get what you're saying there because like i would not it, i would have picked this up in the library in 1990 and i would have been like you know more concerned about um boys <laughs> than i would like yeah like boy the title boy trouble exciting yeah. it's hot pink on a yellow background patty's got some great shoulder pads i do love her mean mug though she looks so peeved patty <laughs> and elizabeth's face i posted on instagram the other day like an extreme close-up of elizabeth's face on this cover because <laughs> it's so the epitome of elizabeth is about to do some meddling <laughs> like she's got her hand on patty's shoulder she's like oh patty darling let me save you <laughs> let me fix your life with my wisdom i'm so wise i'm stable i'm a stable 16 year old girl yeah. who's knows nothing but privilege so rest assured gladiators um you know this season will we're not out of the woods in terms of uh 90s um sort of ham-fisted uh discussions of serious topics in season seven but this book at least was just a nice little book about a character having a problem and i enjoyed reading it quite a bit and i'm so happy to be back Thank you very much for joining me today, Marissa. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a wonderful discussion, and it was a wonderful uh, foray into the art world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now I want to go to a craft fair. we got to get one of those things back on again soon. I hope so. Um, I'm sure this won't be the last time you appear on Sweet Valley Diaries. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a good... I'm a, I'm a, 
I love reading these books and I'm a, I'm a good outfielder there to be like, yes, let me read this with you. So yeah, happy to explore in season seven. If you've got any other, like, seriously, I'm very, I know that you don't want to have like three Marissa Marissa action on a row, but like, <gasps> what is Jessica's scheme? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, you're just gonna have to read it. I will you're read just it. Have to or I'm just listening. Show out the 2.99 for the Kindle edition. Oh yeah, or you can do what I hope a lot of gladiators out there are doing is just not reading the books at all and just listening to the recaps on Sweet Valley Diaries. Okay. Anyway, gladiators, thank you so much for waiting out this hiatus with me. It's so good to be back, and I will try my best to deliver these episodes at their regular schedule. Um, exciting podcast news for me if you haven't read somewhere else um i have uh, as of the beginning of this year become a professional podcast producer if you're interested in listening to those shows uh, they are called feeling scene and maximum film both on the maximum fun podcast network and sometimes you can even hear my voice on maximum film which is fun One really wild thing about this whole development is that it absolutely would not have happened without Sweet Valley Diaries, and that means it wouldn't have happened without you. So thank you for listening. Thank you for telling people. Thank you for being the thing that keeps me making this show, even when sometimes I take a long break in between seasons. So you know what to do. Tell people about Sweet Valley Diaries, you know, in your daily life. Leave a five-star review at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or whatever. We're at Sweet Valley Diaries on Instagram and at Sweet Valley on Twitter. All right, tune in next week for extra drama. It's going to be a good one. Until then, bye. Bye.